good to us. Um, hello, hello. It's good to see new faces and some familiar ones. Um, I'm going to be speaking about purity culture. And I just wanted to give a trigger warning that there is some sensitive material and if um, abuse is something that hits home for you or is something that affects you, you can just feel free to go sit in the other room or just do whatever you need to do. That's totally valid. Sweet. Um, so purity culture. Um, I decided to do this topic because I think something weird happened to our theology and I think we should address it. Um, so firstly, what even is this purity culture? Well, it's something that happened after the sexual revolution and the kind of church kind of fought back with this whole, you know, purity message. And it came from a really nice place of wanting to protect young people and get them to, you know, feel that they're worth the wait. But um, it ended up being interesting. Um, there was T-shirts, promise rings. Um, they were fun. Um, there was pledges where you pledged to remain a virgin till your wedding night. And there's books like I Kiss Dating Goodbye, where it says dating is not correct and we should be courting. And um, yes, it was quite, it was quite an intense read. Um, and also videos like this happened in, Ruth, in youth groups around the world. Here we go. Come on, ready? Virginity is cool. Come on, come on. Virginity is cool. What up? What up? Virginity is cool. He's got it. He's got it. Virginity is cool. Come on, come on. Virginity is cool. What up? What up? Virginity is cool. Come on, come on. 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 Virginity is cool. What up? What up? Virginity is cool. All right. Thank you. Here we go, come on. Okay, we don't need that again. It already went long enough. Um, so that was, that was purity culture. And the main, the main point of it was um, that you need to remain pure and you need to look after yourself and that you are like a flower. I know. And... I thought this message was over, but there have been sermons preached like this in Christchurch recently, and so it's clearly still a thing um, by good people, but this message is interesting. They um, do this in front of young people and say, every sexual experience you have is like a petal off your flower, and you don't want to be a damaged little flower, do you? And they'll get out, in some cases, a lollipop and say, if you lose your virginity, you're like a lollipop that's been unwrapped and licked. And, oh, um, that's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, and no one wants a used lollipop. So that's the message that some of us have heard in churches by people who are hopefully meant to be telling us about the goodness of God. Um, and it led to some weird things in people's hearts and minds. Um, it praised virginity, and it actually linked virginity to purity, linking it with salvation, our goodness. And it infers that anyone who does not have that is somehow broken, or all those other awful words. It was to one people group who could do this perfect Christian lifestyle and to everyone else, it really hurt and shamed them. 
And it did work for some people, but for others, um, it didn't. This guy is called Pete Holmes, and he wrote this book where he expresses how he thought he was going to hell for masturbating. <laughs> it's quite a funny read, but also it's really sad because it's true. And he experienced divorce and heartbreak, and um, yeah, it was, lots of people have suffered because of this message. Also, there's this pressure for men to be these kind of valiant, strong warriors, to never cry, to be very stoic, and to be kind of like animals. And um, it's a lot of pressure on guys. I don't really like it. Um, I got taught this in a church, which has really nothing to do with the, with the Bible. I legit, I got taught that. Also, women were taught that their modesty was very important, that it was a sign of their holiness and they needed to dress for Jesus. And um, it put a lot of pressure and kind of taught women that their bodies were dangerous and needed to be covered up. So that's purity culture. And my story is that I thought this was great. I thought purity culture was really good because I was this pure virgin and I could, I could be this holy woman and I could know I was saved. I could know I was loved because obviously my hymen wasn't checked. So... <laughs> And um, I thought this was really good. But then when I got older and I got my boy, I got a first boyfriend, um, I, you know, we hugged and it was really nice. And then I got told that my character was being called into question um, by a pastor. And I got kind of talked down to. And we hadn't even kissed yet. And I started to see that it was all about the appearance of purity. It was all about how people were perceiving me. It wasn't about my actual heart. It wasn't about my relationship with God. It was all about people watching me and assessing whether I was good enough. And it created this huge amount of anxiety that somehow my purity could be lost and that maybe I could be going to hell. And legit, this went in my heart that I was somehow in danger. And then there was a point where I really saw that this was not great. And it was when I started working with people and a lot of the young people had been violated in this area. And it really hit home to me. And I was like, this is not of God. We need to do something. As a Christian community, we need to be standing up to this. So I did this message to the young people I worked with saying, you know, we are made in the image of God. We must respect the people we work, we are surrounded by. We must treat them as God's children. It is our duty as Christians. And then the male who I worked alongside said, now I want to address the ladies. What you wear is the bait on your hook. And you don't want to catch sharks. So you need to be very careful what you're putting on your hook. And I was like, no! That is not the message of Christ. And I realized that purity culture needs to go in the bin. I'm done with it. It's not good and it's not biblical. And one in three women and one in six men will experience being violated. And purity culture tells them, without meaning to, that they are somehow damaged. 
And this is not okay. So purity culture, I'm done with it. I don't like it. I like the intention, nice people, but we should not be teaching this message anymore. So what does the Bible even say about sex? Well, the Old Testament is very interesting. Um, so when I was quite young, I picked up the good old book and it got to the point of Lot and his daughters when they get him drunk so they can reproduce with their dad. And that's when I had to close it and go to bed because that was too much. And then there's other stories like when Jacob tries to marry Rachel and her and her sister get kind of switched out like they're just property. And then there's Solomon, this man with all the wisdom with hundreds of wives and concubines. And then there's David, this biblical hero who sees a woman bathing on the roof and is like, I'll have her. And then once she's pregnant, organizes for her husband to get killed. So it's a bit of a mess. <laughs> Yet there are like sparks of shining hope. Um, and like the story of Hagar, and she is forced to bear a child for Sarah and Abraham. And then she runs off, she's in despair, and God comes to her. And she says, you are the God who sees me. So there's like aspects of great hope in the text. There's also Songs of Songs, which is actually a beautiful book. And it's, it's about autonomy. These people choosing to fall in love, choosing to be together. And that their passion and their joy in that is good, that their desires aren't bad, but they're actually something God blesses. And then we have Jesus. And I saw this in a book that I read from someone writing about purity culture and how great it is. Um, and it asks you to, what would Jesus do? So, you know, I don't think that we can look at the life of Jesus as an instruction manual for dating. Because <laughs> I don't think he did and if he did, we don't know about it. Um, but we do have something really valuable in the text, and that's why I chose this reading today. See, when Jesus is chosen by God, I thought that was a bit creepy, that God just goes, okay, you, go ahead, you can be pregnant. And I just thought that was rather, rather inconsiderate. But when I read the text, it's actually an amazing story of consent. See, an angel comes to Mary and explains what's going to happen. She's able to ask questions about what is going to happen to her body. She gets the information. And then she says, may your word to me be fulfilled. Imagine if we could teach this to our young people. That consent is actually ordained by God. We see other aspects of Jesus, like the woman everyone judges. She's like the skink of the town. It's not nice. People are mean to her. People are awful. So she's in the middle of the day when it's really hot getting water, meets Jesus, and through the conversation with our Savior, becomes one of the first evangelists. Jesus anoints people who we don't think God loves and actually sends them out to do the best things that we can't imagine. Now, back to that good old book. Um, this is a really interesting documentary. 
um, by the guy who wrote I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Um, he's actually come out against what he said, um, saying that he didn't actually know, he was 21 when he wrote it, he didn't actually know, um, and now he really apologised to the people it hurt. And actually this year he announced that he's getting divorced. Because it doesn't always work out. Life isn't simple. And purity culture kind of taught that if you did everything right, you'd get these perfect results. When actually life's a bit harder than that sometimes. Also, there's a lot of different people out there. And purity culture doesn't allow for that. I know my heart really changed when I met someone who was intersex. So someone physically born in between the two genders is 1.5% of the population. So it's actually a lot of God's children. Um, and I was like shocked when they entered the church because I was like, where do they fit? We haven't built space for people who are different. Yet Jesus talks about people who are different. He says, for there are eunuchs who have been born that way. That there are people that are different. And actually, the eunuch, who was a slave person, um, that was kind of sexually ambiguous, um, often actually objects of sex trafficking, um, was one of the first people to be baptised. And then there's also lots of cool people out there. So this is Leanne um, and you should look her up because she's an intersex lady and she talks about her fight to claim that she's a loved child of God. So we need to include people like this in our churches and we need to think about what we're saying and if it does allow room for other people. Also, I think we do have something to say to anyone who has been harmed. If our saviour was nailed naked to a cross, then the person we look up to the most can understand that pain. And then we have something to say to them that the Lord's story did not end in death, but the same spirit who rose him up from the grave can do the same in you. And I have a friend who I got her permission to share this story, but she grew up in the purity movement. And when she, her virginity was taken, she thought she'd have to make it work with the person who abused her because she didn't want to be a licked lollipop or a damaged flower. And people like that have a hard road ahead of them. But it's our duty to walk alongside them. And that's our call, to be like Jesus to empower people who suffer. And I wish that we can do that, and I think we can. There's a lot of people talking about this. Two books I recommend. Um, calling for a sexual reformation. Calling that we change up our conversation topic and that we focus it back on Jesus. Now, what do I suggest? I think we need to have sexual integrity. As we know, people were hurt in this area. And we don't want to be part of that. We want to be different. We want to behave in a way that honours others and ourselves. So I think we need to thoughtfully listen and reflect. Actually ask 
questions to ourselves. Why are we doing what we're doing? Learning to seek and get information, standing with and advocating for those who have been violated. And again, trying to honour yourself, others, and Christ with your sexuality, I think is really important. But I think we need to stop judging. The main issue with purity culture was that it made people feel really ashamed. And our gospel is not a gospel that brings shame, but it brings life and hope. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. Putting virginity with salvation undermines the gospel. Because we are not saved by our actions, we are saved by Jesus' life. Where are we going to put our worth and value? Is it going to be in what we can do, or is it going to be in Christ Jesus? And let's teach people that, that our hope and our worth and our dignity comes from Jesus Christ. I'm going to end in prayer. God, thank you that we are your kids. Thank you that you tell us that we are loved and worthy. Thank you that despite all the weird stuff that got taught, we still have your word, and your word gives us hope. And I pray that we can look at it and read it and pray and seek the truth and spread that to the people we know and love. And I pray that we can bring hope to a hurting world and hope to those who have suffered. And I pray that we will be the change, that we will be the people that point, point the world to you, Lord, and say that they are loved, they are worthy. Amen. We don't hear about sex and virginity much in church, so thank you for preaching on such a difficult issue. Hey, let's continue in prayer now.